This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey, 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 welcome to Knife Talk. This is a podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, DIYers. You work in your shop, makers, craftsmen, blacksmiths, bladesmiths, we got you covered. I'm Jeff Fader from Fader Knives. I'm here with Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. And we're not, I'm going to meet up with Mareko tomorrow. Mareko is at Maker Camp as we speak. I texted with him earlier, earlier today. He won't be with us, but it's me and Craig. Craig, how are you? I'm good. I'm tired, but good. Yeah. Healthy. That's all I can ask for. That's tired. all I can ask for these days. Yeah. <laughs> is that it? That's, <laughs> That's not much to ask it, for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, tired. Tired is, I've been waking up at three in the morning to do paperwork. It's, it's ridiculous. Oh, fuck. Yeah, weird. Like, a, like my internal clock has been waking me up, and I did podcast show notes, and I got to do stuff for Full Blast, and I got to do a panel discussion at Maker Camp, and I'm just, and I cooked this whole big dinner for the swim team, my kids' swim team, and it's like, I'm really tired. And you did the bolognese the right way this time, I know. All right, so a little setup. That's, <laughs> uh, this is a little trick for all you podcasts out there. When this is <laughs> let's the, this not is give the first, them they need god knows they need the tips but let's not give them i'm the just tips. gonna say one thing to most podcast po, po, other po, if you're listening to this first time you think what is knife talk knife talk is a podcast where knife makers talk about knife making we answer questions we fool around with the listeners and you know we also talk about our lives that's how you set up a podcast you 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 when you bring something up you make it clear for, when the listener this might be their first episode listening and i just want you to know how it is all you other podcasters do these inside cracks. All right. I mean, no, you don't want to gain, you want to build an audience from day one. They don't want to, that's fine by me. No problem. So my kid is swimming in, uh, my kid's the captain of the swim team, in a varsity swim team. She's been on the swim team. We just figured out, she's been on the varsity tw- swim team for six years. She's, wow. And she's not 22. <laughs> it's not like she got held back two years and had to do like, two <laughs> yeah, more she's, years. She's, she's, yeah, she's, she's like 31 years old. Yeah. And she's been, you know. <laughs> so she's been on since she's been in middle school. And then yeah. I offered to cook for the swim team. Uh, I know the coach. We know the coach since she was a kid. We offered to do uh, pasta night for the swim team the night before a podcast, uh, before a, before a uh, meet. So two years before, the two years before COVID, I cooked for the team. It was so much fun. And then COVID, two years of no, not doing it. And then this year I cooked for the team. And then I also try to make a reel instead of just making knives. And I make knives. If you're the first time listening to this podcast, I make <laughs> knives. And instead of cutting bottles or ropes or phone books or doing all this bullshit, I, I decided to use one of my knives to cook a meal. And I cooked a meal for the swim team. And I did a reel, cooked bolognese, a light bolognese for the swim team. And it was very nice. And I and I thought of you fondly because if this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, Craig makes the bolognese of bolognese. He eats it once a week. At so, least. At, at least. least. <laughs> at least that family, that's the name of his new band, Bolognese, Bolognese, Bolognese. Bolognese, Bolognese. That's the first album. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I was happy to see that you're using red wine, not white wine. Oh. There was no, no sign of milk. No. I, it was... It was well, it looked like a classic bolognese. I, I, if the podcast listeners, I was waiting for some what no milk. I one time said I put milk in bolognese, which I talked to uh, the guy who works for me, uh, David Tiger Claw Customs, mm. who was a trained chef, and he said to me, "I know they make a lot of jokes, but you put classic bolognese with milk." 
And I said, look, these fucking people give me such trouble about the milk. So I didn't put the milk in. The other thing is I kept it light. I used chicken. And I really, I was, I'll be honest with you, I just don't want them to, like, shit themselves before the meat. You can't. <laughs> You can't, you can't crush these kids with, like, you know, heavy-duty bolognese, and then all of a sudden, my stomach doesn't hurt. Mr. Fader poisoned me last night, so. I hadn't realized that you used chicken mince. Yeah. Because one of my, I, I wasn't, obviously wouldn't say anything to you publicly, but I was like, gee, that doesn't look, like, brown yeah, at gray. all, I was thinking. Yeah, yeah gray. But yeah, no, no, I know. Chi- I know. Right, okay. Okay. I... There's a so number it's not of things. A classic ball, it's, it's, it's bullshit. Well, that's what that is. Uh, that's fine. Whatever. Whatever. I mean, like you know. <laughs> here's the funny thing: is you know, obviously, when you're cooking for 25 kids and you have a certain mm. amount of time, you have to make some arrangements. I know that there was a lot of meat in that pan when I cooked it. I know it, and it's and it's you know, it was just like it's just the way it is. I wasn't gonna like do it in batches. I'd, I got to work for a living, and I got to do all this shit, and I got to do a million things, and now I got to cook for twenty five kids. I had to cut some, make some shortcuts, and part of that was overcrowding the pan. And I used chicken because I just thought I don't want to kill these kids. <laughs> I want to make this motherfucker light. My kids said, "Don't put any cheese in it because the, you know some kids don't like cheese, and don't put any parsley in it because they don't like the greens." So I'm like, "Okay, yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay, okay." So I knocked it out, and the kids liked it. They had a, they some of those kids who came up for seconds and thirds. So nice. And nobody shit themselves in the pool, which well, is always meat, a good thing. The meat's today. So I, I actually, oh, okay. a friend of mine's going to come, and she said, are you excited? I'm like, well, I'm not excited if some of the kids shit the pool. So let's just hope <laughs> that that doesn't happen. Take a net. Yeah. Take a net. Yeah, take a net. <laughs> and a net is not this one of the swimmers. <laughs> a net, yeah. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Like I said, just very tired. Very tired. We're... um. We've taken to sleeping on the sofa with the baby, taking it in turns each night because wow. n- neither of us are getting sleep. Um, so yeah, so it's 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 been it's been a tough week sleep wise, but um, good. It's yeah, I'm good. We've had lots of progress on the house this week, which is really nice. Um, kids are happy. I'm happy. I've had some workshop time. It's it's all good. All good. I know you sent me a message earlier in this week that you had a great day in the shop. I hear you're working yes. on the knife talk build along. The butter knife <laughs> tactical butter knife challenge. On the side, I am doing one of them. Yes, yeah. um, and I think actually, yeah, I would have shared that by Monday. By the time this is going out, um, it's 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 good. It's good, um, and I think possibly a future product. Not with, uh, I mean, there's bells and whistles on this because it's just tactical butter yeah, of knife. Course. But strip, but stripped down to its core, I think could be an awesome butter knife. So possibly that that's that's coming up as well. But um. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, I've had some... The thing is, since we've been in this house, I haven't really had sort of dedicated time. I've I've had to get the odd hour in between things and all that kind of stuff. And you know what it's like, you can never get your head in a game properly, right. you know? Right. Um, so having full days, it just... Yeah, I'm just, you know, reinvigorated, if you like. Um, That's good. It's good. It's good. Yeah, it's all good. That's good. And the girl... And the, your daughters are okay? Everybody's okay? Everyone's, Everyone's healthy. happy. Everyone's right. healthy. Everyone's happy. There you yeah. go. Yeah, that's which, good. which is unusual. Which is unusual. Is it? Believe me. Well, <laughs> you, I feel like you get sick a lot. A lot. Every time the kids go back to school, um, we take it in turns to get sick, basically. Right. Um, yeah, but that's what you know. Three young kids who are out and about. You, they're they're going to bring all sorts back. But um, oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, we're good. Yeah. yeah, fingers crossed. At the moment, everybody's healthy. Hey, everybody's good. So, what were you working on in the workshop? Ah, 
Maybe I should say, maybe I shouldn't. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to because I'm waiting until these are finished. I, I want to finish a whole batch um, before they're ready to go. Um, I've done it so many times in the past, or you know, putting pre-orders and up and all that, and it's just a nightmare. So I'm waiting until they're all done, they're oh, ready good. to go, and then it's a case of buy the ship today, you know, that kind of thing. So that, and you're going to just take a crate with you to the to the, to the post office. Exactly. Well, well, not quite actually. Somebody else will. Which, yeah, that's that's you know, we sort of talked about in the past. We got somebody else who's driving to the city and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's all good. We, there's we figured something out finally. Um, it's good. It's good. And like I said, just being in the shop and just having a full day to be able to sort of think things out. Okay, I can do that a bit later. I can do this now, and you know, plan a whole day rather than trying to cram everything into you know two hours. It's yeah, it's been really nice, really nice. And just, you know, listening to stuff in the shop as well, and you know, being able to sort of breathe a bit and make the space more. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. It is nice. And I want you to know that I've, I'm, I'm, I'm in sympath- simpatico with you because I've, I've, we're about to drop the Turkey Club, which is a three-piece set. Yes. And I have ten sets of three ready to ship. Ready oh, to ship. We're okay. all ready to ship, guys. This is the way a knife maker should be. It's so much easier. So Get much on easier. the mailing list. Yeah. Get on the mailing list, and then this is going to be a first come, first serve. And I'm very yeah. excited. So, um, yeah, good. Well, listen, we've grown in five years. You know, you, we, you and I and Mareko, we've grown in, in the five years we've been doing this podcast, the number mm. one knife related podcast, and easily top five maker podcasts. Easily top five, just easily. general maker podcast. Yeah. Easily, yeah. easily. I mean, we're no, mm-hmm. we're no, uh, we're no shop sounds. And that's a monster. But at the same time, <laughs> it's like, who is honestly? Who is? Yeah, I mean, I've heard some chatter this week about you know these people claim it, claiming to be the world's best podcast for makers and all that kind of thing. Look, it's not happening, is it? We all know the deal. We all know the deal. I listened to one podcast this week. First fifteen minutes, the obscenities, the the swearing, really, I mean, it's just not acceptable. Not mm. acceptable. There was their podcast <sighs> sponsored by Even Heat. <sighs> no. Well, there is a link. There is a link. I'm just trying to. Their podcast to wasn't isn't sponsored by Even Heat. I Ours don't is. think so. But you but you know what the game is. Go you ahead. know what the game is. Get them to read your get them to read your ads for you. Oh, that's right. You get the money, they do the work. <laughs> Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to knifetalk.net forward slash heat. Uh, because that'll take you to Soul Ceramics and they are distributors of Even Heat. Um, they've got some already built, they're ready to go. And the good thing is you're gonna get seventy-five dollars off that retail price and free shipping in the US. So I'll put that link down in the description, knifetalk.net forward slash heat. It'll take you straight there. The discounts will automatically be applied. We've made it super, super easy for you. There we go. So what we're going to talk about this week, Mareko's not here. Um, he's probably five beers in already now. I texted with him. He's at Maker Camp now, and it's, yeah. it's now it's Friday afternoon, and most everyone's starting to head up that way. It's going to be very exciting. And mm. I have everything... I'm, I parked the, the, my car outside of the shop, and everything's ready to go. So first thing tomorrow morning, I come in, load up, and then I'm going to go. Nice. He's, he's up there. He's up there. He's, it, it's mm. very, I'm uh, looking forward to seeing him. I haven't seen cool. him in 
three years, something like that. Oh, like, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so what yeah. you, I mean, I mean, I know you're doing demos and stuff with Modern Forge guys. So, so what are you taking with you? What, what's the plan over the weekend? So listen, podcasters, so we can, you can learn something. What you do is you set a story up. You don't expect people to know what you're talking about. Much like we will talk about what the Knife Talk Build Along is, we're going to talk about Maker Camp. Maker, Catskill Mountain Maker Camp is up in Eastern New York. And we started it, I want to say, four or five years ago. I can't remember. And it was based off of uh, there was a Maker Fair in Queens. And Jimmy had gone, Jimmy DeResta, and uh, a lot of makers were down there. There was a lot of people. He does a podcast too, doesn't he? He does a podcast called Maker. Probably Maker. The, second, the second best Maker podcast, maybe. Third, Probably. third maybe. Fourth, third or fourth. For yeah. sure behind it's up, us. It's up there. For sure behind there. us. For sure behind yeah. us. But fine. Fine. <laughs> fine. Fine. So the Catskill Mountain Maker Camp is like in eastern New York, uh, this at the Blackthorn Reserve, which is a which is a place that uh, this guy Austin and his family run and it's great. And it's tents and they set up and over the years it's grown. And it's a lot of makers. There's woodworkers and wood turners, and there's uh, total boats there. And, and the Broadbeck guys will be there. And then Cole Ironworks is going to have a tent. And there's going to be blacksmiths and the NEB. Bob Menard's going to bring forges up. And, and a lot of people that you know will be there doing demos. And we're going to be demoing. And we're going to be, we, the modern forge guys, who are the, 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 six, the six gold. The six blue ribbon winners of of the biggest winners of Maker Fair, uh, the last Maker Fair, we were the biggest winners. Six judges ribbons, and we forge. So John Ariani, Sunset Forge, Cliff Dufton, C.J. Dufton, uh, Carrie, and Jesse Savage, we're all be forging. I think uh, I'm going to be demoing. Um, I'm going to be demoing friction folders. I'm going to make some tongs. I brought some hammer blanks. I know that John and Cliff have brought some things. They might do some uh, forging draw knives. Uh, Jesse and I are going to forge some hatchets. It's going to be a lot of forging and fooling around mm. and everything like that. And I know that Mareko is going to be forging a chef knife start to finish. That ought to be fun. And cool. I'm also running two goddamn podcasts. I don't know how I did this, <laughs> but I'm going to be doing... Uh, I was asked to do a panel discussion uh, with four makers. Uh, Josh Smith, Josh Prince, Keith Decent, Leah Arapach, and um, uh, Andrea DeLeon for uh, a ma- uh, that I'll, I'll hopefully get this shit squared away and it'll be on uh, full blast. And then I haven't seen Mareko, and it'd be crazy not to do a live episode of Knife Talk. So we're going to do a live episode of Knife Talk, and I'm going to work that out. So nice. Talking I- about Josh Prince, I was. Um, we've got like all these new channels and stuff, TV channels, and I was just looking through the other day, and Fortune Fire was on, and it was Josh's episode. Um, Josh Prince. W- Josh Prince. Yes. How did he do? Yes. Um, have you not seen it? No, um, I haven't he, seen it. He he got to the final two, um, but then he 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 sort of comes second. Um, he was really unlucky. He had this really bad sort of warp, and it, I mean, in that first round, he had by far the best blade. He was, he, you know, he was taking his time. He was setting everything up really nicely. It was he, he really beautiful work. But he was just unlucky with the with, with the warp that he had in his uh, in his quench. But um, no, it was, yeah, I, I when I first saw Forged in Fire, you know, years ago, right. It was when I was sort of hungry for more sort of knife-related stuff, you know? Right. And it was just like, oh, wow. And I, and I loved it, and I sort of binge-watched loads of them. Haven't seen it for maybe two or three years now, at least. And I was just watching, they came on, I was just like, ah. And you, you realize then, that format is used on so many other shows now, right. you know? It's just, yeah, it's everywhere. 
I talked, and we we talk about Forge and Fire on this podcast a lot because we, you know, Mareko is a champion, and we have a lot of guests mm-hmm. on, and we've had judges on, and we've had everybody. I mean, you know, it's knife talk. I mean, Forge and Fire, it's hard to, it's hard yeah. to avoid. I have changed my opinion on it um, completely. I used to be like grossed out by it, and it was just like I felt like the contestants are be to take advantage of. Blah, 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 blah. And now I realize how important it is to the knife making community for this for the reason that if it wasn't for forge the forge and fire generation has been has created a demand for uh learning traditional techniques that that yeah. coincide with the abs yeah. this is this year there was 80 some odd 60 to 80 uh people going for the journeyman smith that's because of ultimately because of forge and fire so i think it's become a very very good overall uh thing for society in terms of learning about forging and blacksmithing and bladesmith. Yeah. And I think also the success of people like maybe Alex Steele, you know, as well, who are getting a sort of new generation to see what all this stuff is about. And I've got a bone to pick with Alec this week too. Why? So he put up a video this week um, where he went to Port Albert in Wales, which is where I'm from, um, showing is like the biggest steel plant in, in the UK, possibly in Europe, actually, I right. think. Um, and he just showed the whole process of how they make steel on this huge, huge sort of industrial scale. Um, but he's in Wales where he was in the factory and they're speaking English, as most people do in Wales. The cheeky fecker. He had to put up subtitles for when they were speaking <laughs> as if, as if no this, one would understand them. Because their accents are so thick? Um, probably a little thicker than mine, but they were speaking English, perfectly, you know, legible English. It was, yeah, but it did make me laugh, the fact that he put, the, put up these subtitles, yeah. Is it possible that his fan base is the state of Montana? Um, possibly, possibly. I but mean, he, yeah, he probably does have a lot of America. Yeah, that, that's probably. I would imagine way. that. I would imagine yeah. that his American um, Americans love him, and mm. one of the reasons why I th- I don't know I don't know I'm just but you don't know why is that what you're saying? No, no, no. I don't know why America. <laughs> no. I don't know why he. I don't know why I don't know the connection. Like he's he's deeply American, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> like he's as American as they come. Like, he's, he loves he's more that, he American loves that whole than most Americans. That American culture, he's well right. into it, yes, yeah. But I I'm, think Americans love, like, a, a real sort of English accent as well, which is what Alec has. And, you know, he's so enthusiastic about it all as well, you know, and that's that's very sort of, that's very American as well. It's not very English to be that enthusiastic about stuff. But, you know, what? But the, the whole point I'm getting to that he's turned on another generation onto, you know, blacksmithing and knife making and that kind of thing, and they see it as cool, which, which is only a good thing. Well... I don't mean to, you know, pat you on the back, but that's probably one of the main reasons why Knife Talk is the number one knife-related podcast on this planet. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I think people because like to hear... Because of my Welsh accent. Because your fucking accent, yeah. I think they like that there's this weird New York accent, and there's this weird Northwestern accent, and then there's North... And then there's you. And you, 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 uh, you have this kind of subtle uh, intelligentsia that's understood... Oh, yeah, it's true. They think that you're the norm. They think that I'm not, I'm the flea bag, and you're like the respectable <laughs> one. Is really what the issue is? And you've got them all fucking hoodwinked. I, I was actually they knew, eh? I was I, you know here's the funny th- uh, who cares? But I, every time someone has a I was tells they say they always ask me to ask you. I think you intimidate people. I think it's <laughs> really? the accent. Uh, I don't know about that. Don't know about that. 
Anyway, what are we going to talk about today? Well, we have... What's, what's on the agenda? Have, we have a lot of listener feedback. Um, mm. I think that we should talk about the uh, Knife Talk build-along because we started the Knife Talk build-along a couple of weeks ago, and our listeners did an awesome job on the Knife Talk mm. build-along. We've had some great, and I wouldn't call them submissions because it's not a competition as such. No. Um, but yeah, we've had some great demonstrations of what a tactical butter knife could be. Right. Um, some have been powered as well, which is which is quite nice. There, yeah, there was. <laughs> now I have, I've listed I've I've listed down all the people who've done the the the, uh, the knife talk build along, and mm. all of them were fun. And the cool thing was, and I think it made it. I think this is the reason why people were so quick to do it is because I made the point. I'm like, look. Most butter knives, a lot of them are plastic. So if you want to make one out of plastic, knock yourself out. And so um, B-Cone Knives was the first submission. Um, he, he, I mean, he's on a podcast. And he, you know, he decided to be the first to submit on our podcast, the number one knife-related podcast. He wanted to be the first one to submit, and he submitted. Uh, Walrus Steel did a great job. Uh, Custom Cass did a great job. I would say Littleton Supply Company not only did a great job, he did a great explanation on why you should be why what you can do with your tactical butter knife. And he said it's he did a whole <laughs> thing. It's TSA compliant, and you can smuggle it in your butt cheeks. And it was very funny. He was very funny, and he was very serious. And he just talked about how the importance of having a tactical butter knife is. Uh, our friend uh, Alfredo Facciaperi. He had a fucking great one. Uh, he had did it with music, and he had his teeth in it and his teeth. Uh, Jacob Hamilton, Jacob Hamilton did a great job. And the last submission was Burgers Blades. I think there were probably others. And you can for sure submit your um, your butter knife, cha- the uh, knife talk build along butter knife, uh, tactical butter knife, and use use WFI projects as the hashtag. It's this is a sympathy thing that we're doing. A sympathy thing. A sympathy thing. We're trying to help a lesser-powered situation. Give, use the hashtag WFI projects. Let's give back to the community, eh? Give back to the yeah. community. Help a little guy. I'm patting a, a little guy in the head. This is coming up to this little guy. It's like uh, Tiny Tim on the crutches. There, there, little boy. Here, and I'm flipping him a quarter. There you go. Flipping him a live a little kid. Live a little kid. Well, um, my video for my tactical butter knife um, will be released Monday, so you'll be listening. Obviously, this is going live on Monday, so obviously I can't play a video because right. this is this is a podcast. But um, if you haven't seen the video yet, this is the audio from the video. Oh, good. Introducing Spreadum, tactical <laughs> butter knife for any situation, featuring the patented Accesso Rail technology, empowering you to spread butter in any environment. With upgrades such as the grooming pack, the nav pack, the romance pack, fire starter pack, and coming very soon, the multimedia pack for when you just can't spread your butter without checking Instagram. Spread them, it's hot stuff. <laughs> Available in all shitty discount stores. Use promo code KNIFETALK for 0% discount. Spread that was the wrong bloody audio I played, but anyway, anyway, you get the idea. You get the idea. Spread them, yeah. spread them, spread them. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. So, if you haven't seen the video, go take a look at Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. And if you've got any questions for us, that's where you ask the questions. So, if you DM us, 
DM us at Knife Talk Podcast. Um, we'll hopefully be able to answer your question on the show. Well, Plenty don't people and, have. And certainly don't DM Chop Knives. I don't think you have that account anymore. I don't. I don't have it. I, yeah, we talked about this a while back. I'd lost my, my, my phone number. But I had a new phone. I hadn't realized that I had two-factor authentication on it. No longer have access to the old number with the you know the e sims that Apple now do and and it's just it's just a pain in the ass. Is it um, has it affected business? Um, I don't know because I haven't really had anything to sell um, okay. <laughs> for a long time, <laughs> well, so I don't know yet. I'm sure it will do. I'm sure it will do. But um, you know, thankfully I've got a big mailing list, and that's that's where most of my business happens anyway. So you know. Well, let's keep yeah. going with some listener feedback. Now, okay, let's do it listener feedback there's a difference between listening and hearing don't you think listening that and hearing are two different things yes. you heard something but you might not have listened to it yes okay first yeah, listener no, I completely fe- agree yeah f- first listener feedback comes from rodney philbin actually he sent this to um full blast but i wanted to read it anyway I was the the past couple of weeks. I was just disappointed in technical problems that I've said this in the past in past episodes. Technical problems are the reason why I'm going to stop this fucking thing because I love talking with you and Mareko. I love doing full blast. The only thing that drives me crazy is the technical things that are out of our hands. Yeah. Like uh, I interviewed uh, Andrew Alexander uh, two weeks ago, and they were gonna. They said that you have five more minutes, and I was afraid if I didn't, you know. Your, your 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 hours are up that they were going to cut me loose i thought it was going to erase the whole thing so i had to stop it short it was it was terrible and i let out this huge kind of depressing um feelings towards the technical problem so rodney says i listened to your last one your monologue at the end was good but unfounded there are quite a few maker podcasts that i listened to all of them except for yours and artisans of steel that's Mareko's podcast and knife talk i'll walk away with i'll walk away from without pausing the content on these three is so dialed and so on point it's crazy i like the others don't get me wrong but audio and severe lack of direction or rambling about their own stories takes up a lot of time original content good discussions etc i'll listen through some audio issues on yours and Mareko's because the content's good Others, it's a no-go. I've listened to a few episodes of yours a couple of times. Same with Artisans of Steel. It's like being at a certain level of craftsmanship where the tools are the thing holding you back. Frustrating, but don't quit the craft because you're a, you're the craft because you as the craftsman are dialed. So Rodney Philbin is <laughs> telling us that Artisans of Steel, Knife Talk, and Full Blast are the only podcasts worth a damn. That's what he said. Wow. Nice. And he listens to them all. He listens to them he all, and then he can't what. get through them. He, what. he can't get through yeah. I tell you what, I, there's some podcasts I can't get through either. <laughs> but I'll tell we're you what. Very, we're sounding very salty at the moment, I think. <laughs> I'm tired, man. I'm tired. But I will say one thing, and I'm saying this with peace and love in terms of listening and, and hearing. I love the guys that work for it. The Work For It podcasts are my friends. And I only take shots at people I have their phone numbers too, so I can, you know, they, I don't like, I don't go after mystery people. I don't try to, and this is funny. They started their podcast last week, chewing. All of them were chewing. Ah, uh, you know, let's eat. You know, it didn't make any sense, and I'll tell you why. So they all start making jokes. So we're going to eat on the podcast, and it, they made all these kind of inside jokes, and it just doesn't really. 
it just wasn't helping their podcast because it didn't make any sense. Basically, they were talking to me only and none of their listeners, which was weird. So back it up. Work for a podcast, great podcast on the Makery channel. They're they're like our uh, you know, they're our friends. They're our friends. I've been yeah. on their podcast. They've been on it full blast. It's our sister show almost. It's the like little our, sister that you need like to our, care about. Like our you know? stepsister. I mean, not yeah. really our stepsister because that's like a whole. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's very different. Yeah, yeah. not really like that. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not any kind of step situation whatsoever. Um, yeah. So I that one episode, one of them was was talking, and as he's talking, he takes a bite of sandwich and keeps talking. And in my mind, I'm like, "What the fuck? You can't hit the mute button. You can't like you're hungry. I know you only do a one hour podcast. <laughs> you can't you can't hold off for like half an hour, forty five minutes. Okay, you maybe you're starving." You hit the mute button. You know who the champion of mute button hitting is? You're going to tell me. Mareko. Mareko. very good. Yes. He's so, always on mute. Until I'm, he's got something to say, he's, yeah, yeah. Dude, he hits the mute button, the cough button or the mute button so many times. I feel like he's sending me Morse code. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he's, he's hitting that button so many. He is so conscious of how this show sounds that if he's doing something or he's walking away or he's got to reach back and he's not because he wants people to know that he cares about the sound of this podcast. So I made a crap. I, I sent a message to, 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 to Brian saying, Brian thinks, who, who, what are you guys eating lunch or something like that? Well, he thinks that we don't, I, he thinks I was making a crack about the fact that someone's eating on the podcast. No, when you're eating on the podcast, you're not caring about the listening experience of your listener. You're, you're not paying attention to the person that you're talking to. You're not giving your attention. You feel like you could talk and eat at the same time. And no one's going to, everyone's too interested in what you're saying. That's what I was getting at. So they made some jokes and then they're, and then they didn't hear me say that I, I, he made some, they made some crack that I said that we're the only podcast. I didn't say we're the only podcast. I said, there's not a lot of podcasts that are as good as knife talk. That's all I said. And eh, we're playing around. I'm with them and I, you know, they want to play games and I'm honestly, I don't, I'm not prepared for it. To be honest with you. So that's it. You sounded very abrasive at the moment, Jeff. I could use some abrasives. Where should I get some real abrasives? Combat Abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now! Thank you, Brian. We Thank appreciate you, Brian. you. Thank you, Brian. We appreciate you, Brian. I Listen, I like that <laughs> podcast. I think it's great. Sometimes you guys don't get, you get a little too worked. Don't just, this is fine. Everything's fine. Don't worry. I'm with you. <laughs> Let me hit the mute button for a second. Okay. Okay. I'm going to read a question. I'm going to read a question. Somebody's DM'd us. It was Feral Boy Knives. Oh, boy. Uh, question. How do you set yourselves apart and not fall into the same stuff everyone else is doing? Um, he says, how to be a trendsetter instead of a trend follower. Good don't, point. Don't be a knife maker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. We talk about thieves. quite a lot. There's. There's only so many things you can do with something small, sharp, and pointy. But I think even just three of us, the three of us hosts here, we have very different styles. And I think there are so many knife makers or bladesmiths where you, you look at what they do and you you know it's them before you you, you know before you, you you've seen who's posted or whatever it may be. Um, so there are ways in regards to sort of trends. Um, I mean, the sort of seven or eight years that I've been making knives, you know, we, we trends are not real sort of 
big trends. They're, they're, you, you may see a few more people doing something because, there's again, there's not that much you can change, that much that you can do. Um, but, you know, do you want to be a trendsetter? Just, you know, just just do your thing. I mean, by being a trendsetter, that, that means, you know, you want people to copy you, and that would be quite a bit of a strange thing, I think. Um, so, yeah, but how do you fall into that trap of not doing the same stuff as everyone else, Jeff? What do, is there anything that you, you purposefully do? Well, is it possible? Is it possible that as society we've changed to the point where we're, we're the commoditization of our not being individuals is, you know, enhanced? When I say that, I always think of Lego. Legos. Lego. Mm. Lego. Legos. Lego. Lego. Drop yes. Lego. When I was a kid, you bought Legos. You bought a, a, a bucket, a Lego. And there were no instructions. And there were no... There was no, you know, massive puzzle that you were to make. You were to play around and you were to be creative. And then probably when I was in first grade, the first like Lego guy came out. We're talking 1980 or something like that. And it was clearly like this little dude. And then they started making like little, it was a spaceman. I remember he had a blue spacesuit. And then they had like little space guys and then they had little space shuttles and then they had little this and that. And then all of a sudden you were buying these kits. And it was yeah. no longer you could just buy whatever pieces you wanted. And you were being pushed into this position of your, this is what you do with this Lego. You buy, you buy this and then you make this. And you're not really deviating from what the original intent was. And I tend mm. to think that that was a real turning point for a lot of people, obviously creative people. I mean, knife making in the making community, in crafts, you know, there is this individuality that you kind of hope for. Like, perfect example is Joshua Prince. Joshua Prince, as far as I'm concerned, is on, like, the, you know, top five most innovative guys working today because mm-hmm. he is, like, bucking a lot of trends and he's going, he's you know, going take going out on the limb with his own style. Um, I also believe that social media has changed to encourage uh, a degree of trend following. You know, the yeah. way the reels yeah. are going now and the way people are using the same, you know, songs in their reels and having being, being kind of like coer. I mean, it's almost like we're being corralled. Like, I, I definitely feel like I'm being corralled into doing reels as opposed to doing, you know, pictures like I used mm. to. And I feel yeah. as though it's becoming harder and harder and society is kind of not embracing people's uniqueness you hear it people people start new podcasts all the time and they say the same goddamn thing left and right I mean, drop it jeff drop it <laughs> no but i mean seriously they all start up and they say the same goddamn things they say the same cliches they say the same inspirational quotes they say the same things that they've heard from fucking whoever you know and there's this there's not this sense of individuality in general or it isn't embraced at least what do you think? Hmm. Yeah, um, I I purposely don't um, look at too many knives online now either. Um, for that for that point that I don't really want to be sort of influenced by anybody else. Um, you know, I, I sort of I sort of know my lane, I know my skill set, um, and I want to sort of develop that um, as opposed to looking. You know, when I first started, I'm sure I, I did the same as most people other people well you know you look at other people's work and you go well how did they do that and then you try and you try and do it yourself so you sort of mimicking um but yeah i i purposefully don't look at other people's work so much now um 
Yeah, it it but it it is really difficult, and I think for non knife makers, um, I think they'd look at a lot of knives and say, "Oh, they look they're all pretty much the same." But for us who know the smaller details, as you know, the listeners as well, who are obviously you know into knives, who who aware of the smaller details, um, we can sort of pick out other people's work. Um, so, yeah. I th- I think you just not need to not think about it so much. Just do your own thing, and eventually you will find that your work is is unique compared to other people's. Maybe not to the sort of you know the sort of mass public, um, but certainly to other people who make knives and you know they, they appreciate the fact that you're not sort of copying. I suppose. Well, to add on to what you're saying is it's very clear that when you make the decision that I want to be a knife maker. You kind of have to start at the technical parts of making a knife. How do you do the profiling? How do you drill the holes? Mm. How do you set where the plunge line is? How do you design? And you ultimately always are going to have to pick someone as your North Star in regards to how to get there. And then you will be influenced by someone's work because you're caught to it. You like it. Um, and what, what should happen is, is, and I talk, when I was talking to Henry Hyde on full blast, he says, look, when I first started, I was copying this guy's stuff and I was copying this guy's stuff. And we were talking about how he kind of created his own style. And I believe that it's the only way to go. Here's the example. If you learn how to paint or, you know, let's say you learn how to draw, you have to learn Mm. the technical, the technical, um, the technical details in order for you to express yourself. Similarly to writing, if you don't know the alphabet or if you don't know how sentence structure, you can't write your book. So yeah. when you're looking at the kind of books that you like, like here's a perfect example is Hunter S. Thompson. Everyone likes reading Hunter S. Thompson. And then when they write, mm. they use his fucking style. And it's very much like you're not Hunter S. Thompson, but you got to start somewhere. So I think that yeah. it is important to get your system down. And then the most important thing is once you have those details of like, okay, I know how I'm going to pr- finish the choil. Okay, I know how I'm going to finish the spine. Okay, I know what I have to do. I know order, order operations. Then you can start to grow and you make these steps towards what you want to do. Um, mm-hmm. Perfect example is, I mean, as a sculptor, I'm not a perfect example. This, this is not a perfect example. But what I try to do is I try to base it off the way I look at my sculpture. When I was a sculptor, you have these progressions. And you don't just jump around and do the next fancy thing because you see it. You make these logical steps. And for, for me right now, we're finishing off 2022, um, my Color Lab series, Neptune Sunrise, very colorful handles. We are closing it down. We're closing it down in January. We're, that's, it's going to be like a different color pattern. And we finally figured out what we're going to do, and I'm going to do a different style of knife, not too dissimilar to what I was doing, but far enough different that there will be a difference between last year, this year's and next year's. And then we made yeah. some color changes, but... Not like crazy color changes. There's going to be a nod to last year. And so it's, it's this evolution from 2022, 2022 to 2023. There will be the fingerprints of the things that you saw before you. So my opinion is, is to stick to your guns and to just make incremental steps in order for you to follow your thing. The problem is, is these motherfuckers, everyone seems to think it's an overnight situation. Mm, you know? Yeah. And- and I also think it's down to intent as well. Yeah. If, you, if you're in, looking at other people's work with the intention of whether it's stealing an idea or trying to make it as much as like that as possible, 
I think, you know, that's where you're doing it wrong. I mean, yeah, certainly take inspiration and all the rest of it. But when you, you know, when the intent is there to copy someone else's work, I think that, that's a huge problem. People's impatience is a huge, I think it's a huge crutch on their psyche. I think that the problem that people have is they're not willing to, maybe this is an age thing, they're not willing to be not knowing what to do and enjoy the situation. Everybody wants to be in the destination. They're not, they're not ready to enjoy the journey. Of course, mm. knife making is one of those things that a lot of people get into it. They don't get into it just for the joy of knife making. They get into it to be in a business. You know, this is a very, it's, it's like making your own drugs, you know? It's like, you know, I'm seriously, but all of a sudden you're just like, I can, this is cool. Other people like it. I can make this in my, my own. And now all of a sudden it's like, I got to be better. I got to be better. And it's, there's this strange disconnect between starting your own thing and but then there's the money and then is it a hobby or is it a business? And it sucks, man. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's, it certainly is difficult to sort of stand out. Um, but I think, you know, it can be done by, by sticking to your guns and doing what you do. And I think over time, certainly other makers will, as I say, will, will certainly appreciate that, you know, what yours is, what you're doing is different. And then you're going to get stuff like I get every so often. Some knucklehead will write something completely unnecessary on my feed. They'll look at one of my colorful knives and they'll say the strangest things, which can be, <laughs> for some people, will be will be very off-putting. And some people are just like, well, I don't even know what... A guy says... That's not my taste, but good luck. And it's just like, oh, people what's do the, things like what's that, the yeah. fucking point? What's the uh, fucking point? That's not my taste, but I understand. Yeah. It's like, who cares? You know, so then some people get discouraged by that. Well, I don't want people to think that, you know, I don't want to think people think I'm a weirdo. You know, look. Yeah. Josh Prince think? did a few, did a, you know, he was doing a lot in the beginning. When I first met Josh, when I first knew him, there were people who were just like, what is he up to? And he stuck with his guns. And now he's like a he's like a hotshot, really great bladesmith that a lot of people mm. look up to. Yeah. Oh, so, doubt, yeah. Stuck to his yeah. guns. Yeah. But look, if you want to stand out and make something slightly different that's beautiful, made out of a Damascus stainless steel, you know where you should go. Dharmasteel.se. They've got some beautiful, beautiful stuff, some beautiful, unique patterns as well. Um, go take a look, dharmasteel.se, they're Dharmasteel Lab on Instagram, and if you follow them, you'll see some of the kind of stuff that people are making with Dharmasteel. It's always beautiful, beautiful high-end stuff, um, really nice stuff. So, And remember, November 12th as well, there's the Dharmasteel Chef Invitation, where we'll be doing a, another special show where we'll be speaking to all the makers, and these people love Dharmasteel. You know, they're, they're high-end, high-level people, all using Dharmasteel, because it's amazing stuff. So go to dharmasteel.se. Remember, if you use Knife Talk at checkout, you'll get 10% off your order too. P.S. Damasteel hooked me up. They gave me a number of years ago, they gave me a piece of Damacore, and I don't know, something was up with it, and uh, I turned it into a banana. <laughs> Regardless, whatever happened, happened. I turned it into a banana, and I was going to submit a knife to the Damasteel Invitational just because I wanted to get in. I wanted to get involved. Mm. I wanted to do something. I thought it would be fun. And I sent them a message, and then, and then I said, I'm like, ah, I don't think it's going to work. I turned this piece of steel into a banana. And they're like, we'll send you a new piece. And they fired out a new piece from Sweden, sent me this four-foot tube. They sent me this beautiful piece of, of Thor, Thor pattern. And I'm going to, I'm out back, baby. I'm, I heat treated it. And let me tell you something about heat treating Damasteel. 
super duper easy. I actually had a lot of shout out to Finkel Ferguson, who is Mr. Damasteel. Boy, he'll bring 30 knives to Damasteel. He'll move them all in five minutes. Like, I mean, this is like, you know, he's a, he makes life changing money. Every- <laughs> he's drunk 10 minutes later. He's yeah. drunk 10 minutes later. He <laughs> yeah. sells all five. <laughs> five minutes later, he sells 30. 10 minutes later, wasted. He's popping caps, yeah. <laughs> popping caps and he's check. He's cracking necks and and cashing checks, but he uh, he hooked me up with the with the Damasteel, and I was stupefied at how easy it was to heat treat. And I didn't use cryo, and I got sixty one Rockwell, and it was like easy breezy Japanesey. I mean, uh, easy breezy lemon squeezy or whatever they say. And uh, yeah, shout out to Damasteel, and I'm back, baby. Nice. Nice. Okay. Let's uh, do a couple of questions, maybe. Yes. Neil Den Blaker. Neil Den Blaker says, My Even Heat LB18 takes forever to cool down, enough to temper my blades after the quench. Everything I said says is to do it, do the temper ASAP in order to relieve the stress in the blade. I don't want to go back to the toaster oven. It defeats the purpose <laughs> of investing in an even heat. I've read that some makers put the blades in canola oil, heat it to 250 to 300 degrees as a pre-tempering process while they wait for the oven to cool down. I'm interested in your opinions on oil tempering process and any other recommendations. Neil Denblaker, hobbyist knife maker. This is, hmm. this is one of the best tips I have ever gotten was from Craig Lockwood. Take it away. Well, yeah, I mean, you rightly say that the even heat will take a long time to cool down, but that's, you know, that's a feature, not a bug. They're insulated so well because you want that heat to stay in and, and for that, you know, the temperature to be even, hence the name. Right. Um, but yeah, it can be an issue if you, if you obviously, you want to temper, you know, immediately after. Um, so what you can do is to take out some of that heat and some of that sort of energy from the oven. Get yourself some firebrex. Um, they don't have to be expensive things. You know, go to your local builder's yard and ask for some firebricks. Um, when you take your blades out, put the firebricks in the oven, close the door. Leave them in there for sort of 10, maybe 15 close minutes. Close the door or open the door? Close, then close the door. Okay. Let them soak up as much of that energy as possible, which is the heat. Um, and then make sure you use some gloves when you remove them because they will be hot. And the idea is they're going to soak away as much heat as possible. Um, and it's amazing how efficient that can be. Um, to get rid of that heat you know and i've seen people you know doing things like putting fans in front of them and trying to cool them down that way um i th- i think that somebody's mentioned before that there's a danger to the coils maybe that could uh, that could maybe um do some damage to the coils i don't know but um but yeah um fire bricks in the oven let them take out the heat take out the fire bricks it works really really well you said that tip years ago and i was just mm-hmm. like let's hear let's see what this i was because I had the same problem. What I would do is I'd quench all my blade. I'd quench my blades. But I mean, a lot of the blades... Now you've got I, six even heats, so you don't need to. Well, two, two, but f- whatever. So you want to say six, I'll take six. Um, <laughs> if it's free, it's for me, and I'll take three, as the firefighters all say. That's somebody else. Um, the I, I was I I had the same thing, and, and I would open the door, and i try to... I, for Especially for stainless steel, if you're... If you're Full thickness, if you're heat treating full thickness, you don't really have to worry about that much about tempering immediately. Like cryo, it, when you're doing cryo, you're not doing, you're doing the cryo, putting your knives below whatever the, L, you know, the liquid nitrogen is or the dry ice is. You're putting it before you temper it anyway. So mm-hmm. you have time. You have time. Now, if, 
it's a thin distal tapered knife, I, a forged knife, I understand you want to get that tempered quickly because there has been a lot of stress on the knife. The I tried the fire brick move and I was stunned at how fast. I think I, I think I, it like cut the time in like in by three by taking the heat out. The other thing I'll say is because you're going to have that retained heat in the fire in the brick oven of of the the brick the the ceramic of the or not ceramic the heat of the uh, the even heat. You might have to crack the door open because sometimes that residual heat makes it want to jump. So if you're like doing 400 degrees. If you can get below 300 degrees, and you can get more, get a couple sets of bricks. Get one set of bricks, get them all hot, pull them out, put another set of bricks in, and you're going to bring it down below 300. And if you hit it to 400, it might start to cr- to kind of creep up. I crack the door yeah. a little bit. I crack the door a little bit, and it usually uh, equalizes. But that's a yeah. great move. I don't know about the oil. That oil sounds like a good idea. It all depends on, I guess I, I would say it all depends on how thin your knife is. Like if it's a real mm. distal taper, if it's a real thin uh, thin grind before you put it in or whatever. Um, but I've had knives not be tempered for like a couple of hours and I haven't never had a problem with it. But, yeah, you know, yeah. faster I've never heard of that oil trick before. But that, yeah, that, that sounds that, good. Yeah, that does sound quite, yeah. Yeah, you could, you could, I mean, be, I mean, heating oil up to... F- 250 degrees is not an easy situation either you know you either have to have a like a warmer or you have to figure like you or i mean that's not an easy situation either so yeah i like it nice okay cool um adele knivish i think it is um or is it adele k knivish i don't know one or the other um hi guys a butcher friend of mine has asked me to clean up and rehandle a vintage full tank cleaver for him um, I'm going to put a lot of time, thought, and effort into the ergonomics of the handle, as it's a big old thing, and he's concerned it would slip from his hand if the handle wasn't grippy enough. Would it be wrong of me to put my touch mark on the tang under the scales? Uh, nobody should really see it, as it's even, you know, it, so is it even worth bothering with, or is it just pointless vanity on my part? Two good so questions. So you've done this, I mean, you've, you've done a fair bit of this, I mean, rehandling old vintage cleavers specifically. It's interesting. It's a two great questions in regards to the slipperiness. Um, I've re yeah. We get every so often. Uh, my business partner Tony will see some old cleavers on on uh, somewhere, and then he'll grab them for me. He once brought me a just a bucket full of cleavers, and we just fucked around with them. I clean them up. I maybe put a different grind on them. I'll put some file work in it. I'll redo the handle, and then I really haven't had a hard. I haven't really thought of. Um, I haven't worried about the slipperiness. I've used G10, I've used wood, and I've brought it down to quite a very fine, um, fine shine. I mean, my my hammer handles that I forge down with, I mean, I I sand them down to, I sand them down to like I'd say, 800 grit, four four to 800 grit, and I hit them with some wax. I really wouldn't worry too much about the gripping thing. Um, I've never really heard of knives slipping out of hand, of butcher knives slipping out of hands. Uh, honestly. It, that's 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 just not something I've really I haven't heard too much of that you know does that yeah. have you ever heard about something like that no 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 never have um and now in regards yeah. to what do you think of the touch mark hmm he wants to put his touch mark I, on a rehandled on a on a, on a vintage cleaver that he re- yeah but he's talking about putting it under the under the handles anyway so yeah. I mean. I mean, I, I imagine you're hoping that this will never have to be rehandled anyway, so nobody would ever see it. Um, so, yeah, is is it worth bothering with? 
probably not. Um, would I have a problem with it if it was mine? No, I mean, maybe you put, you know, rehandled by and, you know, whoever you, whoever you are. Um, sorry, that sounded really bad, whoever you are. I didn't mean that. I you know what I meant. Um, this is a Delk. A Delk. A Delk Nivesh. Nivesh. Um, I think, you know, is it worth bothering to do? As I said, the plan is that, you know, this, this you've given this knife a new sort of lease of life. Um, and it'll never need to be rehandled again. So, yeah, I wouldn't really bother personally. There's a lot of collectors out there who collect old butcher knives. Old knives, old, I know old sabatiers are very well um, coveted. Old sabatiers, mm. uh, old cleavers. I know that there are a lot of people who just kind of clean them up and put their names back on. I've done, a, I've done probably about 20 or 30, about 20 or 30 cleavers. I don't really feel good about putting my touch mark on any of them. Um, I have put file work on some of them just because I thought it would be kind of a neat, but I've never put, mm. I've never put, and that might've even been an overstep of, of, as well. But at the same time, it's like, I didn't make the, I only put my touch mark on something that I make. Like I, I wouldn't put my touch mark on something that I didn't make. Like, here's a good example. I made a hammer at, at, at Maker Fair years ago with um, Jesse Cliff uh, John and we all made worked on this hammer. We all put our touch mark on it, and it was because we all did it. Now, if I got an old rehab knife, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put my touch mark on it. Even I've even given stuff to my si- my sister, and she's like, "How come your name isn't on this?" I said, "Well, this is an old Sabatier. I didn't make this. I just kind of fixed it mm-hmm. up." He's like, "Well, why don't you put your name on?" I'm like, "I'm not. I didn't make it. I just kind of fixed it." So I yeah. I, I probably wouldn't do it. But look, if you want to do it, knock yourself out. Yeah. Okay, Canadians. I know there's a few of you listening. There's quite a few of you listening, actually. Yeah. Um, MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. Hope you know about these guys. Um, They sell everything that you possibly need. Steel, belts, handle materials, tools, forges, kilns, and more. Um, They're also the Canadian distributor for combat abrasives. um, And they also sell RhinoWet which is the stuff that we all use. So, yeah, head on over, MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. Also on Instagram, it's MaritimeKnifeSupply. And, you know, you don't have to be Canadian. If you're in the U.S., go take a look. You may get yourself a savings. So have a look, MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. I think it's C- dot .ca. Is it real? Uh, we've said .com every week. Well, so has well, the Work For Podcast. They, <laughs> everyone, everyone is sponsored, everybody is the same. .com, it's dot, I think it's dot .ca. Oh, right. Okay. But I'm actually going to see Lawrence Lake, uh, the owner of Mar- Maritime. At uh, I've been texting with him. I've been helping him. He's been in New York. Went to see the Yankees. He saw the Yankees cool. play the uh, Orioles. Uh, he went to a, some restaurant. He'd been, we've been chatting along. So I'm going to have a nice conversation with him uh, at Maker Camp, and I'll send you. I'll send his your regards to him. Yes, please do. Please do. Yeah. And last but so anyway, not least. Google Maritime Knife Supply, whether it's .com or .ca. It'll come up. Yeah. Last but not least, I'm just joking about the work for guys. They're my friends. I'm with them. <laughs> I'm with them. There's no there's no escalation. There's no no escalation. This is not a, what did you? And to our listeners who tend to be, uh, you know, they like to tattle all the time, leave it alone. <laughs> just leave it alone. Everything's fine. It's a bit of fun. It's all it is. It's yeah. all good. I like those guys. Right. So. I'm just looking through the questions here. Um, we also have tough dilemmas. Good... Okay, let's do one more question from John Marston. Okay. I quite like this one. Um, how's it going, guys? I got a question. Do you guys ever put mirror finish on your blades? If so, what's your process? Also, what's a good way of getting a mirror finish on edge without losing your wire? I sharpen, then hit on on 
<laughs> I sharpened, then hit on buffer, and end up losing my wire or more uh, like muddied, um, where it's still sharp but not really scalpel sharp. Um, okay, so let, let's start with the whole sort of mirror finish to begin with. Um, it's got to start with Ryan Wet, let's face it. Um, any sort of mirror finish, you're going to put a lot, a lot of work in, um, and it's a lot of time. So if you can cut down that time, great. Um, Rhino Wet made by Indasa is the sandpaper that I use. Jeff uses Moreco. Most of us use it. It's it's, it's the stuff. Um, it just yeah, speeds things up. Um, you can get it from taxisfarasupply.com. Um, and I believe if you use Knife Talk 10, you'll get 10% off. Um, but go take a look because they sell more than just Rhino Wet there at Texas Fire Supply. Um, okay, plug over. But uh, seriously now, to get um, a mirror finish, yeah, it's going to be a lot of work. Um, I tend to go from the belt at maybe 400, maybe 600 a push, um, then go to um, hand sanding. I go back generally to around about 220 um, by hand sanding, work up my grits as a grit progression up to about 1,200, um, and then I go to a buffing wheel. I love the buffing wheel, and I've got maybe six or seven different rouges of different grades um, and just keep going and going and going and going and going. Um, I never get a real, you know, high gloss mirror finish. I it's 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 slightly um, scuffy, misted. I suppose misted. Right. I suppose is the way. But you know, right. but you can't see any grind lines. It's you know, it's it's you can see your face. It's almost like a yeah. It's almost like a milky, and and that that's what I like because if you get you know a full sort of almost chromed mirror finish. That's not going to last, you know. The minute you put fingerprint on it, it's gone. Um, so, so yeah. Personally, I use a lot of buffing. Um, um, he mentions then a mirror finish on the edge. Um, I don't bother with a mirror finish on the edge. Um, certainly for a chef knife, that edge is going to be so, so, so tiny. Um, unless you're taking, you know, a microscope to look at it, you're not really going to see that it's mirror finished. Um, so I get all the sort of the uh, the cheeks, if you like, them completely, you know, to that finish that I want. Um, and then, uh, yeah, well, I take mine to a Tormek to do my to do my sharpening. Um, but yeah, I, I never have you know a big um, edge that you can really see if if that makes sense because I, I generally grind mine very thin anyway. Um, but Jeff, what, you know, any tips for mirror finishes? Do you do them? And what about your edges? Do you mirror finish your edges? Well, you're going to be shocked. I've been I've been off the tor- the, to- the I've been. I've been off the Tormek train for years, and I'm back, baby. I am back. I'm I'm done with the buffing of the of the of the of the wire with the the wire edge. I'm done with grinding and then hitting with the buffer. I've been recently, ever since I've been, I spent time with Tomer Botner of Florentine Kitchen Knives, who's like he's like the retailer of 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 Tormek. I really have given another shot, and I do like the Tormek. I've been using the leather wheel for a long time instead of using the buffer because I think it's less aggressive. Um, mm. But I've been I've been starting to use the Tormek to sharpen knives, and it's definitely given me a much better um, a much better edge than I'm not much better, but it's a faster. I'm getting to the edge much quicker with the with the Tormek than I thought. Now, in regards to mirror. When I was the last metal shop I was at, they called it mirror, and we would have to do a lot of outside work, like outside of buildings and structural stuff and and fa- and facades, and we would have to do mirror finish all the time. So wh- how we would do the mirror finish 
for like a, you know, let's just say like a, you know, a piece of architecture is we would use a DA sander, like a non-directional sander. So not just a palm sander, but one that spins too. And then you're, you're, you're leaning on it with the palm sander, 220, 320, 400. And then after 400, you would go to the buffing wheel with the compound and then you would get a chromed mirror finish. And the first knives I did, I did that. I tried that technique and it worked. The mo- you can use a palm sander. You can use a palm sander. I know that Fingal Ferguson uses just belts and then he uses belts and scotch brights and this and that and the other thing. Everything's, he can do a mirror finish with a belt. You can do it with a DA sander. I mean, you, you got to work, work at it a little harder. You have to get to so the idea behind a satin finish or a mirror finish is when you do your grinds, you have peaks and valleys, and that's what makes the little lines. So you have to get all the top peaks of the grind down, and then you have to get all the way to the bottom. And then once you get to the bottom of the valleys of the grinds, then you're just concentrating on higher grits and higher grits and higher grits and higher grits, and all of a sudden mm. you end up with a mirror. Now, there are mirror finishes that you see the scratches, and that there are mirrors that are really, really great mirror finishes. I'm with Craig. I believe that it is a. It looks great. I think it's a lot of work, and it's not maintainable. Um, but people love it, and they look great if you do it. Um, I don't do it because I feel like it's just not something that's going to last. I would rather have a very simple satin finish. I think that that's a very easy, approachable finish for me. And the way I sharpen these days is lately every fourth or fifth knife or something like that. All these friction folders I'm taking with me to Maker Camp, I'd use the Tormac. And I use the Tormac, mm. and then I maybe I might touch it up with 800 grit on a belt, and then I went back to the... Um, I went back to the leather strop, and I got great results. So I don't do mirror polish on the the edge anymore with the buffer. I think it's too. I think what happens is I used to do it. I saw Bob Kramer do it once. Like he ground, he hit, he hit the knife on a on a on a belt, and then he hit it with two different buffing wheels with compound. And I was like, well, if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. And I was finding for me, I was too aggressive, and then I was r- removing the 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 wire the wire edge completely mm. and then kind and of make, round things off a bit as well yeah and it just made it just made it not as sharp and it made it like when you touch your finger to it, it you should kind of feel a sense of danger and I wasn't mm. getting that sense of danger and I could tell that it wasn't I was it was too much work for not enough um whatever the results weren't good so yeah. I stayed away yeah. from it yeah fair enough well hopefully that helps John um. Yeah, hopefully it really does. John Marston, by the way, sends a lot of great... He's a very, very good um, knife talk sender. He sends a lot of great questions. I notice his name come up a lot. And here's mm-hmm. one, I, one thing I just want to talk about. is Since we started... When we started the podcast... When, when this podcast first started, Craig did it himself. He did an amazing job. He, it was the number one knife-related podcast back in the day when it was just Craig because he was like getting amazing guests and it was compelling and everyone in the knife-making community was listening to it. You 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 know that right? When when he had Marco and I come on, we kind of came to the conclusion. He went to shit. We, when we <laughs> when we dropped the ball, when he when he made the hugest mistake of his life by having us come on, he we you know we believed and I and I said you know we should really involve the, a listener because we want them to be involved. So we started to you know you know say to the listener, oh, follow us on you know send us questions, listener feedback, all these things we have you to do. 
every so often we would get a question or a hot take that I felt was inappropriate. And when I say inappropriate, a lot of it's mean, some of it's mean spirited. And one of the things that I would do is I would just be like, I'm just not going to rate it. There was like, somebody doesn't like this person. And somebody thinks, what do you think about this person? This person is this, and I don't like this, and I don't like this person. Mm. And I'm trying to cast shade on somebody else's work. I found it to be, I found it to be a a problem. I found those questions to be problematic for a couple reasons. This is a knife making community. There's a lot of people who listen to this podcast and we don't want to hurt people's feelings. The other thing is, is Mm. we don't want to be in a position of, like I said, we don't want to hurt people's feelings. I've been saying this forever. I mean, Brian House, I'll hurt his feelings. I'm just kidding. Brian, I'm just joking. Don't call me. I'm not going to hurt your feelings. You're the man. I'll I'll be on your pocket. Whatever you want, I'm with you. But seriously, it's like I have, over the years, I've consciously done everything I can to make sure that this show is positive. Ah, we fuck around, but I, I don't want people's feelings to be hurt. So yeah. one of the things that I wanted to address was, was something that happened last week. No one reached out to me, but I, I, I just, when I had people call in for, um, uh, for, for, we have people can call. We have a, call, a way that people can call, and it's fun. And we had Ryan Brewer did a great job last week. We had another person who is perfectly fine. He's listening to their community, and he made some comment that was a vague reference to someone else's knives in the community. And it was a little – it wasn't vague enough. And I really – if I, I, felt, I felt like I wish I had the dump button because I would have dumped the call, only because I have no problem with this guy. I'm totally understanding what he was coming at. But I felt like – I want this to be a show where we're very positive towards our community and not just, you know, taking shots at people without them saying anything. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, completely. Completely, yeah. And yeah, and I mean, the one thing about the way we do this, where we read out questions, that obviously we have full control. Right. Um, and in the past, we've done video. You know, we've had people come on live on the video. And that was always an issue. We didn't have control, firstly, over right. the quality of their sound, their connection, all the rest of it. But obviously, all, what they're saying as well. Um, and to to a lesser extent, that still happens with with calls as well when we do that. Well, without being, I'm like I said, this guy is fine. I'm with this kid, this guy who who called in. I'm with you. You know who you are. Don't you don't have to write anything in. You don't have to say anything. We're fine. The problem I had was the fact that he let me know what he was going to say, and I asked him not to. He he gave me kind of like an I knew where he was going in the DMs, and I said please, no bashing. And he says, don't worry, I won't bash. And I felt like he was a little unnecessary when he, on the phone call. And I got some messages. And here's the problem. I am the one who gets the messages. No one goes after Craig because <laughs> Chop Knives is gone. And no one goes after Mareko because they're afraid they're going to block him. So they come to me, Jeff Fader, and then they say, you know, <laughs> feelings are hurt. And I got to fucking straighten this thing out. So from now on, if we take calls, be positive because I it's 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 ultimately you're putting me in the position of having to say I'm sorry and I don't want to you know because I don't I don't want to be in that position so in the future if we take calls I'm warning you I'm going to fucking I'm going to have I'm going to have that I'm going to I'm going to put the hammer down on you on the show and it's going to be uncomfortable so I'm with this guy I don't remember his name but I am 100% with you I'm with whoever you're talking about and that's the end of that that was a long one sorry dude that's all good. It's all good. Sorry. Okay. What else have we got? Have we, we have got um, tough scenarios. dilemmas. Dilemmas. Let's tough do it. Scenarios. Yeah. Okay. This is, this is funny. Uh, this is an anonymous. You can reach out to us on uh, Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. There's a helicopter flying overhead. I apologize. 
And then um, we're right by uh, I'm right by West Point, by the way. Oh, I never talked about the uh, in the after show. We're gonna have to talk about the auction. I was at the FBI auction. We gotta talk about yes. the, you have to talk about the after show. That's in the after show. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I got a game for you. We have a game. I have a game for you. In the after show, the free after show, ladies and gentlemen, the free after show. All right. So if you go mm-hmm. to Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram, and you can send us your tough dilemmas, your listener feedback, whatever you want. Um, this one is from anonymous. Anonymous. I love the anonymous ones because it's like it is gets too close to the vest. I got a dilemma for you guys. My friend's brother wants to buy a new EDC knife from me. It's more of a tactical knife, so no big deal, right? My dilemma is that he he was just released from prison for robbing someone at knife point. <laughs> to oh, make fuck. to make matters worse, I'm a police officer. What do I oh, do? Jesus. Please keep this anonymous. I don't like announcing my real job to the public. So this guy is uh his friends his his friend's brother. He wants to make a knife for his mm. friend's brother. Yeah. You can't. Oh, no. Can my friend's brother wants to buy a knife. So come on, you're not really that close to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't. Not not with a clear conscience. Um, <laughs> knowing his, his criminal history. And and your position in society, too. I don't think it's the right thing to do. Um, I once so said you, to... Uh, sorry. You were saying? No, I'd say you just let them down easy. You say, look, you, you can, but I've got like a six-year waiting list. If you want to put your name on, I'll contact you in six years. That kind of thing, you know? I don't know who, what kind of fucking maniac wants to buy their their their, 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 their recently released brother from prison something that they got arrested with for the first place. Yeah. I mean, that's just like, exactly. I mean, you know, yeah. you're out of your mind. Then you can ask a cop, hey, you don't care. However, you know, I've heard of worse. Uh, funny enough, um, I know someone I went to school with who had a criminal record and was completely unnecessary. And uh, he reached out to me. He's like, I can't wait to buy a knife from you. And I said to him jokingly, oh, you better ask your parole officer first. <laughs> he never called me back. He never, that was the end of that relationship. <laughs> parole officer said oh, no. Dude. No, he, he was so insulted that I knew that he went to jail. And then I suggested that I'm only going to buy this if you talk to your parole officer first. He, that was the end of that. I mean, never heard from him again. So Brilliant. that's what I would, that, if I was this guy, I'd be like, you got to talk to your PO first. And then all of a sudden it's just like, you know, I think that's the move. Yeah, maybe the shame. Yeah. But you know, there is this, there is this kind of thought in the in the knife making world that, um, well, it's not that's what they do with the knife is no no concern to my of me. You know, they're free to get this stuff and do this stuff, and it's not illegal for them to have it. Then yeah, why is it illegal is, for them to is, sell it? That is a valid point. But if you know specifically, this person has has an issue with knives and a and a criminal history with knives, then you are sort of responsible. Let's face it. Uh, if, yeah, I guess if you know, well, ethically, I don't know if you're legally mm. responsible, but you're ethically responsible. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's ethically responsible is funny too, because I mean, that's kind of like, you know, it, the balance is in your hands. Um, yeah. I've always, I'm telling you, I'm always mortified and terrified the day that somebody, cause I have a few cop friends of mine who are just like, I cannot wait to, you know, get one of your knives off to somebody. And I, you do, I do get that feeling that I think that if one of my knives was involved in a crime, we just had, we just found out that in Las Vegas, I think yesterday, there was a knife attack 
on the strip on the on the sunset on the oh, Vegas geez. strip and it was and it, and then when they talked about it they said a big kitchen knife and I immediately be like I better not bring this up on knife talk I would mm. be I would be beside myself if somebody mm. used one of the things that I made for nefarious reasons it would be it would be devastating to me yeah I'm gonna stick with butter knives for the rest of tactical butter knives you know, spread them tactical <laughs> spread, <laughs> spread them boys fucking spread yeah. them boys <laughs> that was so funny you are really legitimately hilarious spread them <laughs> spread them put your hands in the air and spread them um, <laughs> uh, I, yeah so I don't know it's fucked up it's fucked up. All right, so mm. the next yeah. tough dilemma comes from Tyler Young. What do you do when your family liquidates their multi-generational estate to fund their very nice retirement plans? No one in my generation was asked if they were interested. My grandfather's generation inherited a bunch of land in South Jersey, and he got over 100 acres of meadow, forest, creek, front property. When my dad was growing up, they raised cattle, and there was a small but real farm. In my lifetime, it's been a nice field and location of my dad and uncle's rigging company. They have a whole metal shop and storage enough for cranes, trucks, etc. All I got was a call to say the property is in contract with the company who plans to lease a portion of the land to other businesses and government for EPA exchange credits. I'm over here thinking we could have been the New Jersey counterpart to Gabine. That's Finkel Ferguson's uh, farm, mm. family farm, and still have room for an immense bladesmith and maker space. So you're in a position of like you assume that your your family's going to think about you when to take over the plan, and and um, they decide mm. to, instead of you know what do you do? That so has this been in the family for generations and passed down by generation duration? Let's I think you just said that. his grandfather. Maybe let's go with it? let's go with let's just go with it was a gener you know generations. You know, a farm, a farmland yeah. of generations. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's going to sting. It's going to sting, isn't it, getting that phone call? Um, but I'd, I've always been in the mind that nobody sort of, you know, I don't deserve anything off anybody. Yeah. You know, that kind of, that's the way I've, I've been sort of brought up. Um, so, yeah, you know, I've never had any sort of... <laughs> any sort of help from parents, that kind of thing. Um, and... You know, I'd like to, you know, to sort of bring my kids up with that sort of same attitude. Um, but also, I'm, you know, aware that I'm, you know, sort of more fortunate than my parents were growing up. So, you know, you'd want to help them out as much as possible too. Um, so it's it's a tricky one. But I think if it's been in the in the family for generations and you've been brought up, you know, working there with the intention of that's, you know, you're the you're the sort of son and heir. One day, son, this will all be yours. Right. And you've made sacrifices for that. I think, yeah, you need to have some sort of chat, you know. Um, but you know, if that is the case, if if it was always the case of you've made these sacrifices because one day this will be yours, if it's not, and you're just feeling a bit salty because they're selling it, I just think the world doesn't, you know, owe you anything. It's up to you to make your own sort of path. Um, so yeah, without knowing, like all these dilemmas, without knowing the full background. Well, but know, we can. But here's, do, but here's we can we can just go off of it. You know, we can we can just kind of we don't need to solve this problem. We can just kind okay. of okay. Well, I'm I'm going to call you, Jeff. You've had this big estate in the family for a while. I, I've got some news for wait, you. Wait, so am I? Who, wait a second. Wait a second. Hang up the phone. Wait a second. Wait, who am I? <laughs> wait, don't answer um, the phone call yet. Who am I? You were the son. You were the son. Am I the one who's um, about to get screwed? Yeah, okay. who hopes to inherit okay. the riches of... Um, okay. And who are you? 
Dad? Um, you're my dad. All will, all will be revealed. Oh, God. All will be revealed. Okay. Okay. Hello? 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 I'm very keen to answer the phone. Is that Jeffrey? Oh, yes. Yes, Jeff. It's Jeff. Yes. Jeff, hi. Um, I'm a lawyer. I've been uh, appointed by um oh, uh, by your parents, funnily enough. Really? Um, to give some to give some news to you. Um, so you you you, you know where they live? It's that big sort of ranch, and they've got all these lovely buildings. Yeah, and you love you, you love oh, it there, didn't you? I spent you my, love it. There. I spent my days there. I spent my days there. I love that. I love that ranch. Tell yeah. me more. Wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be great, right? If you could do the same for your children, if they could run around in the cornfields, and you could set up this big shop, wouldn't that be great? That's wouldn't what I'm planning on, Mister Lawyer. Well, I've got some news for you. Go ahead. Are you excited? I can't wait. Are you excited? All the time. Well, you're fucked, I'm afraid. What? Because they're selling it, and they're they're moving to the Bahamas with the profits. They never want to speak to you again. You are a shame on the family. Now I need to go. I've got other clients to break news to. Bye for now. Bye bye. baby. The hard, <laughs> the hardest part about this is it's so close to the bone of what actually did happen to my family. Oh, you whoa, got whoa, a little whoa. bit. You got a little bit fucking close to the bone. I was just like, wow. I was gonna. I was thinking, what kind of fun? And I'm gonna say, I'm gonna start an eagle preserve. We're gonna make. We're gonna. We're gonna milk eagles for patina for for fucking organic patina. I had all these like what a funny stuff, and then all of a sudden I'm just like, wow. This is exactly what happened to me. It's no longer funny. No longer funny. <laughs> So, you know, without, I got to still be vague, but my father had a winery and, you know, there was, uh, there was family, there was generational wealth and, Mm. and when he died, the, uh, the will was, the will was definitely not what we expected. And I'll leave it at that. And then there was, and it wasn't, and I, and I'll tell you what I had to do. What I had to do was I had to be cool with it um i had to make the decision that that's how it is and that i'm not i don't i don't i'm not entitled to anything um Mm. it was very disappointing and it's still disappointing and it hurts and but at the same time i'm i'm a better i'm better off for it I'm better off for it. So Mm. um it's had had you made sacrifices previously thinking that you would later on be rewarded um, I'm under the impression if there were different people involved, I would have... Kick been, your shoes off. Kick your shoes I off. Get on the couch. I can't... Kick I, them off. Would I you want, like a listen, coffee? Listen, I want to kick my shoes off. There are still some people around that I have to be very vague at. However, if certain things hadn't happened the way they had happened, I'd be in the winemaking business. Mm. So I, I, I think that okay. I think that there are... There, I think that their expectations are really hard. I think the most important thing is the fact that you are some talking to this guy is you cannot count on you cannot count on the, the you cannot count on even the closest people to you, to you is really what it comes yeah. down to. And yeah. the hardest part about these situations are exactly that is that life is not fucking fair, and there are people out in the world who are not 
don't have your best interest at heart. Now, I don't know about this guy and his family. I honestly, I think that, you know, funny enough, when I first read it's Prince Harry, surely. I mean, funny enough, I mean, yeah, that fucking guy. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you want to talk about a guy who, you know, did it to himself. I mean, it wasn't like before Elizabeth died, she was just like, get out. I mean, he was just like, I'm out. I mean, it was like, I mean, he kicked himself yeah. in the ass. You know, it's so yeah. stupid. But I don't even know what I was going to say, but it was more along the lines of um, the best thing is being someone who can be creative and figure something out and kind of do it on your own and just, however, what I was going to say is, is that, you know, that's just according to, you know, the baby boomer generation fucking screwed everybody anyway. So you're just, you're just a number on the big pile. Quite true. Quite true. Yeah. Those fucking people. I tell you what, we're going to store this question away. And you've mentioned Gabine saying it would be a perfect um, American counterpart to that. We'll put this question to um, to Fingal at the DCI too. Oh, he'll be too drunk just to see what his response. Yeah, he won't be able probably, to listen. To, he won't probably. be able to listen. To, he won't be able to listen to that whole question. Like ah, that dude yeah. as a that dude. You know what? I got to tell you something about Fingal. He is he's charming. He's funny. He's nice. He's yeah. good looking. All that stuff. He is way more knowledgeable about knife making than people give him credit for. He sent me, he talked to me on the phone. He said some shit. I was just like, this motherfucker knows, he knows way, he comes across as like a goofball. He's certainly not a goofball. And I'd say not just knife making, he's just clearly Dude, keyed into everything. He's, you know? yeah. his, his, his take on farming, his take on, mm. on cooking, on sausage making and all the stuff that needs to the science behind it all. He is like, it's a, it's, he, he's very disarming, but he's an intense brain. So, there you go. He's the man. He is the man. Okay. Um, let's do a couple of questions, and maybe we go into an after show. Yeah. For a free after show, may I add? Free. A free. Completely free. Okay. Uh, Tristan Benedict. Um, hey, guys. I was wondering if you have any tips for making wrought iron san mai. Um, is there anything different from using mild or high carbon as the outer layers? Oy. Jeff, this is on you. Oy, no one put this to Morocco, yeah, yeah. but it's on you today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You pick one. I mean, I've, I, my forge welding is really non-existent. I've done it a few times. I don't know. I, I and and you know what the funny part is? is? I don't really, I don't feel bad about not knowing. To be honest with you. So I, we will. What we will do is we will hold this off to. I'm under the impression with the whole sand my thing that the outer jacket doesn't matter. Everything is is about the core. Like some people mm. do sand my regular steel. You know, you can do sand my like a lot of things, but as long as your edge and the core is the high carbon steel, you can probably do whatever you want. I would think. I mean, yeah. as long no, as it I works. I thought so. Yeah. I mean, that's my impression, but not based on based on what I've heard, not by what I know, which is not mm. much about sand my whatsoever. <laughs> and I'm once again. I mean, I'm gleefully ignorant about it, and I don't, I don't know, and I don't, I don't know. There we go. Okay, okay. You pick a question, and then we'll we'll head off. Um. Okay. Well, you, here's your question. You can either do we can do an oyster knife or a serrations question. Your choice. Let's do a serrations one. All right. This is from Dave. Greetings from Kansas. I love the show. Last week's title was the best yet. All the titles are best yet, and they're all from Craig. 
Um, I'm currently making a search. What, what was last week's? Uh, 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 Mareko. Uh, where's Mareko? Oh, is Mareko there? Yeah, Mareko there. <laughs> that, that cracked me up, and I'm surprised that you, you two didn't laugh. At I, that laughed as well. it, it just, I laughed. I laughed because ring, it, ring. Hello, is Mareko there? Yeah, it was like it was like a regular phone call. It was like he's calling his calling Mareko's mom, and like can I can Mareko, Mareko your friends on the phone? Yeah. yeah. Uh, greetings from Kansas. I love the show. Last week's title was the best yet. I'm currently making a serrated knife, but my belt grinder does not flip to the side. I already hardened the blade, so files are not an option. Do you have any advice for someone adding serrations with a vertical facing grinder? Thanks for the great show. This is a good mm. question. Have you ever gotten involved with this situation? Yeah. The the Yeah. But the first serrations that I did were on a vertical grinder. And how'd you do it? Um um, I made a an extra arm. So, if you imagine a, a small wheel attachment on a vertical um, grinder, right? You've got your small wheel at the front, running from top to bottom because it's it's vertical. Right. Um, take your tool arm, which would normally go um, across the platen. You want your tool arm to go up and down, so it's next to the serrations. Oh. Um, then use a piece of two by four, which you've got your knife on at an angle which you can grind the two by four to a certain angle and then you can just so you your down. tool rest is is running parallel to is running down so the the, the, the work rest is running down exactly so it's 90 degrees to the um to the, belt, to the, the edge of the belt to the to no, the way it's the parallel belt is to, exactly. it's parallel to the running of the belt exactly yes 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 but facing out towards you if, if, if that makes sense um, get a two by four because then you'll need a bit of space then to bring your blade back in back in line to where the belt is, the abrasives are. Um, the advantage of using that is that you can already set um, a uh, you know the, the bevel that you want if you like, you know the, the degrees that you want. Um, and then, like like I've seen you do in the past, you just mark off every sort of eight or ten mil, however big you, you want your serrations, um, along the uh, along the blade with a sharpie, whatever it may be, and just zip, 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 zip all the way down, knowing that each one will be at the same angle. Um, the only thing you need to worry is that you don't go too deep on any, but that's right. the, that's the only sort of um, variable that you have because everything else is pretty much fixed. Um, so yeah, that's that's probably my preferred way of doing serrations anyway on a, on a vertical uh, on a vertical uh, grinder. When the first time I ever did serration on the grinder, Mareko was in the shop with me, and he showed me how he does them. And what he did mm. was he put his all right. So we're using the non your your you, he was resting his left hand on the top of right your thigh. What? <laughs> 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 what are you suggesting? on the top of your thigh? <laughs> he was, he was I, no, but I mean, oh, you're is right. Is it hard yet? Is it hard yet? <laughs> yeah, you, you son of a bitch, you. He was not giving me a handy. Thank you very much. Okay, let's get it out of the way. Okay. Well, you need to get rid of that stress. If you're at the grinder, you need to you need to relax, get rid of all that stress, loosey goosey, and all that. You know. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh, I'm <laughs> blushing. Oh, so he rested it on the top of the on next to the on the tool arm itself. So my and then he was just kind of dropping it down every so often. Um, I would would suggest is the most important thing of like grinding and for welding and for cutting and all that stuff is the setup is always the most important. So getting yourself in a position of 
being comfortable. Like I even back in the day when I had a t- when I was TIG welding, I made like a rest. It was like a it was like a um uh dead man, that adjustable dead man and I put like an armrest on it. So I could le- I could be in a comfortable position wherever I was. Sometimes you're not welding on a table and you can't get comfortable. So I made myself something that I could be comfortable up by that top wheel. And then once again, it's the same thing. You don't have to be, you don't have to have a a horizontal grinder to do it. You just have to find yourself in a position of being the most comfortable. And then that marking, and you can look on my, you know, fader knives in my highlights. I talk about how I did the whole thing about um, how to do serrations, how I do my serrations. And it's been very helpful to a lot of people. Um, Hmm. But one thing I would definitely suggest in the future is if you had a broadback ironworks grinder you can go horizontally to vertically and i depend on my broadback for uh, being able to put my serrations in comfortably um it's a very very uh intuitive machine uh i'm gonna go see vince and ryan and ben uh this weekend at maker camp i'm looking forward to seeing them i know morocco is going to be using their grinders to make his knife with an s grind um at uh at maker camp and the broadback ironworks guys are doing great stuff they have tons of different attachments they have tons of different machines and they have a lot of great deals if you put in knife talk 100 it gives you a hundred dollars off what craig i don't even remember do you remember um knife talk 100 will give you a hundred dollars off the sharpening system and the um, cowboy sewing machine that they do um and knife talk 200 will give you 200 dollars off any of their grinder packages that they do and they're doing great stuff. And so broadbackironworks.com. You and now they're making the the they're selling the the their grinders painted and they're also selling them assembled. So if you don't want to put yours together, they'll take care of it for you. So Broadback Ironworks, you've done it again. Nice. Nice. Okay, I think that's a good show. We've managed to scrape through without Moreco again. I don't know how we do it, but we <laughs> we manage it somehow. And last but not um, least, I'm not taking shots at other people's podcasts. You guys are okay with me. Just let's just squash it right now, right here now. That's okay. it. You done all the time. You done. Thank you all for listening. Speak to you soon. And relax. And you're back in the room. I'm fucking tired. I'm tired, and I've uh, been packing up for Maker Camp all day, and I'm mm. kind of, like, tight about it. Uh, it. I have a funny... How story. many nights are you there for? Is it I'm going to go up... Nights? Well, it's Friday night, and they're there. The people are there now. I know John and Cliff are probably there, and Mareko's mm. there, and a few other people. The Broadback guys are there. I'm going to go up Saturday morning. I'm going to do all day Saturday, and then Sunday, and I'm going to stay all day Sunday. I'm going to leave Sunday night, so... And then I'm mm. taking Monday off, so say it's oh, a nice. holiday for the it's a it's a Columbus Day, so I'm gonna take it off with my family and just kind of get a one day in a little bit. Nice. But I had a f- anything nice planned? Uh no, I'm fucking dead. I'm just like I'm a zombie on my feet, so I'm probably just gonna do nothing, um, dealing with uh, other things and stuff like that. But I I forgot to tell you this funny thing that happened to me this week, so. A friend of mine is involved with, I've said this before, I had a friend who invited me to a restaurant and we went with all these FBI agents and federal agents and cops and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So I was drinking tequila with one of the FBI agent guy who was telling me about this auction they have every year and wanted to know if I wanted to put something in. And I ended up saying, yeah, I, I did this gun sculpture and I have some extra parts. So I said, I'll make you a gun sculpture. And I forgot all about it. And then, you know, a couple of weeks ago he says, oh, by the way, did you remember that gun sculpture? And I was like, oh shit. So I put together this little gun sculpture. And I had it, and then they invited me to the auction dinner. 
So Tuesday night, my friend drove me down. We went to this golf club, and it was just like a room full of FBI agents and cops and troopers, and it was funny. They were. It was funny. The one thing I'll say is, and I think that the funny thing was, and so they had a lot of things up for auction. Now, what the auction was for was raising money for they have this uh, uh, countrywide uh, organization, this FBI organization that helps raise money for the families of fallen uh, FBI agents, especially like ones who, you know, were sick from 9-11. There are a lot of mm-hmm. federal agents who are sick from 9-11 and from like, you know, crimes and doing their job and then their families are left. Yeah. So I brought the sculpture. I gave it to them a couple of days earlier and they made a whole big plaque and there was a, there was silent auctions and then there was a live auction. And I thought, oh, well, I wonder how many things are. And I would go to the table that has the live auctions. There are three objects for the live auction. And I was shocked that mine was one of the three. Frankly, I thought mine was going to be like a nothing thing. They had like signed baseballs and signed shirts and all this stuff. And people were donating stuff. And they had a live auction. On the live auction table was my small sculpture. There was a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle bourbon in a case filled with bullets. Now, Pap, this Pappy Van Winkle is 10-year-old Pappy Van Winkle. It retails for like $1,400. And then the next thing was was the WWE, which is formerly WWF, the World Wrestling uh, you know, Foundation, Federation, whatever, Entertainment, World, World Wrestling Entertainment. You know WWE, right? Yeah. yeah they yeah. donated an official championship belt. Like this was a real belt that they give the champions – of the WWE it was amazing. So my sculpture, hmm. Pappy Van. So who was the champion at the time? Well, I don't know. I have no idea. I, I, I think it oh, was okay. it was a company that makes them, but it was like official. It wasn't like a sweaty one from like Brett the Hitman Hart. You know, it was like they didn't. Oh, like, okay. okay. They didn't like it was, dig yeah. it up. Dig it up. For, you know, they didn't like dig up Randy the Macho Man Savage's body and pull the. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, I get yeah. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. They didn't get him. It was <laughs> it was original. It was one of the ones that they make the, from the official company. Yeah. So I was thinking to myself, I was looking at Pappy Van Winkle, my little sculpture, and this real cool belt. And I was thinking, I really hope mine doesn't go for the lowest bit. It's going to be embarrassing. Now all of a sudden we're going to be embarrassing. So I'm sitting at all with all these FBI agents who, I mean, FBI agents are elite in what they do, but some of them are not elite human beings, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, there were some. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some, yeah. They're just as dumb. They passed as the physical 30 years ago. Yeah. They're just as dumb as everybody else. A lot of these elite guys. It was, I was stupid. There was like, you know, if there's free food and free drinks, they all had three drinks in front of them because they're just like, they never get to do this. So they're like, you know, they're total these FBI agents. They're just like regular dudes. Hmm. So I'm going to play, the, we're going to play the game. What do you think went for the most? And what do you think went for the least? You have hmm. all right. So you have three things. You have my sculpture. My sculpture was an old revolver yeah. that I forged down, and I bl- mounted it on a block. You have a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle, uh, very very ex- exclusive, exclusive ten uh, uh, year old Pappy Van Winkle with bullets, and a real WWE championship belt. Give me the list of. From least to greatest, and okay. I will not be insulted. Okay. Let's think of the audience okay. here, then. Okay, so they're all okay. I got this. All right. Well, let's talk about the audience. I'll tell you about the audience. 
the FBI guys are not fucking ponying up for this thing. So there are FBI guys, and then there are donors. There are people who support year after year the FBI. There are construction companies, and then there are you know, philanthropists. And this was a nice place. They just dragged a lot of FBI agents to have a good time, too. But the people who are bidding and putting the money in are not FBI agents. Oh, you don't okay. Have money. okay. These fucking guys. These fucking guys are grabbing. Uh, P.S. Have you heard of the drink, the, uh, the Arnold Palmer? You know what that is? I, I know who Arnold Palmer is. Right. I've never heard of the drink. The no. drink Arnold Palmer is half lemonade, half iced tea. That is an okay. Ar- Arnold Palmer. It's a very fam- okay. uh, It's famous in the golf golf club. Do you know what a John Daly is? Do you know who John uh, Daly is? No, I, again, he's a golfer, but I don't know, I don't know what the drink he's would be. No, he's known for being obese. He's known for being a smoker. Um, he's known for being a drunk. He usually has a mullet. He looks like a fucking wreck. He's always drunk. All- uh, a... a, a a uh, John Daly is an Arnold Palmer with half vodka. So there you go. So, oh, jeez. Right. <laughs> so okay. all these guys are, they're ordering a John, I'll have a John Daly, I'll have a John Daly. And I'm like, what the fuck's a John Daly? And they were telling me all about it. So, <laughs> all right. So now you know, I've set the set it up. Pappy, 110-year-old Pappy Van Winkle, championship belt, yeah. sculpture. Okay. Well, I'm thinking what would be practical for people? The... Uh, the sculpture isn't so much practical right. for people. What are they going to do with that, really? You know, right. um, the belt not practical unless they've got kids. But even then, a kid's into the, that these days. It's all this, the other fake fighting, isn't it? you know, the, yeah. in the octagon that one. Fake so You're crazy. <laughs> um, so I'm guessing the uh, the Papi Winkle was the would most. Be the would be yeah would would have gone for the most. Okay. And yeah. then what's second? Um, I'm not going to be insulted. Whatever you say, I'm not going to be insulted. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the belt, Jeff, just because I think what you do is is quite specific. Um, there's not a, a broad reach for that, if you know what I mean. Whereas you know everybody knows about wrestling and belts. So you think that? So yeah, the, I'm going to go with the with the drink, the belt, the sculpture. Sculpture being the most expensive. No, the other way around. Oh, sorry. you think the sculpture is going to be the cheapest be- fucking thing? So, so the cheapest, the the thing that went for the least was my sculpture. Then the second least was the belt, and then the third, and then the most expensive was the pappy. That's my guess. Yeah. Okay. That's my mm-hmm, guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you the lowest. The okay. WWE. Well, did I get any right? Did I get any out of three right? What did you right? say was the middle one? The middle one, the belt. Uh, no, you got them all wrong. Oh, <laughs> you got them all wrong. So I was sweating bullets because all I th- thought was, my fucking sculpture better go for more than that goddamn belt. And then I started having like a panic <laughs> attack because I'm thinking to myself, these guys don't want art. However... When I talked to the live auctioneer, who was very funny, I said to him, like, let them know that this was a gun confiscated from the streets, and it was, like, tr- turned into, it's, you know, hard to get your hands on, and most metal workers can't get their hands on something like this. And So the lowest was the WWE belt that went for $1,000. Really? Wow. Okay. The That's next expensive okay. thing was the Pappy Van Winkle. What do you think the Pappy really? Van Winkle went for? I salute you, sir. What do you think okay. the pap even went for? Um, so the 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 belt the went belt for a grand. Thousand. I I'm going to go with fourteen hundred. Right. The pappy went for sixteen fifty. Okay. 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 What did the sculpture go for? Oh, put me on the spot. Come on, I, I'm not. You know, 
Sculpture. I'm gonna go. Go ahead. I'm gonna go bake. Then. Don't go um, so big. Said, Don't go crazy. Don't go crazy. <laughs> I'm gonna say two eight. Two thousand eight hundred. Yeah, dude, yeah. you're so close. I went for twenty five hundred bucks. Oof, close. I was psyched. That was a steal. Oh. It's worth another three hundred dollars at least. Dude, I thank you so much for saying twenty. I thought you were gonna be like, ah, right, fifteen thousand dollars. I'm like, all right, hold your horses, Tonto. <laughs> no, that would have been upset. <laughs> that would have been like, yeah. ain't going that much. <laughs> yeah. However, I was like, I told, I told the live auctioneer, I was just like, I was kind of sweating bullets. I was like, if my fucking thing went for that goddamn belt that one guy, you know, some dude's gonna run around his underwear with. You know, like yeah. chasing his wife around, and, you know, trying to do the <laughs> give her the figure four leg lock. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You gotta run around doing the, you can't give him the camel clutch to his girl with no clothes on. <laughs> I was just like fired up. But, so yeah, so that was cool. And then I got asked. So who did buy yours? Do you know? Do you know who the buyer yes, was? Yes, a uh, uh, a guy who owns a construction company uh, in town. Uh, good right. dude. He, cool. he, I mean, they, they, thankfully they kind of like pumped me up and made a big thing and just talked about how, you know, how hard it is to get it, you know, this material. Yeah, exclusive is it is. And it's so, a one off. Yeah. And it was cool. And it is cool on your desk. And, and, um, it was, I was psyched. I was psyched. And, and then they invited me to go, they invited me to go to the FBI range. So two of the guys who rate mm-hmm. the FBI uh, yeah, I guess if you're, you have to be rated every year. So they go to these two guys and they said to me, we'll bring you up to the range. And we'll, I said, dude, I'm going to fucking shoot myself in the foot. I don't want to fucking shoot a thing. You don't want <laughs> This me sounds there, like man. the plot to a Kevin Hart film. Yeah. Like ride along. Yeah, totally. Where... <laughs> it's totally the ride along. I'm like, yeah. They said, you, what, what do you shoot? I'm like, I don't, fucking, I don't shoot nothing. I play with my dick in my pocket. That's about it. <laughs> the breeze. <laughs> yeah. I don't I mean, you, you ain't getting nothing out of me, ladies and germs. So. That was yeah. it. It was fun. It was a fun night out. I got to drink some food. I mean, I got to drink some shit, and I ate some food, and you know, I had a good. I had a couple laughs. Nice. And, uh, FBI. And you were the win. Let's face it. You were the winner. Well, it's a competition. It but you went to I'll be winner. honest with you. I <laughs> yeah. would have been. I would have never have talked about this if like if mine was like the lowest. Mine was if the it lowest. Didn't it would have been, yeah, yeah. been bad. So I was psyched. <laughs> I was psyched to go better than that belt. But my but friend. That's it now the floodgates gonna. Floodgate's going to be open with other people now asking for, you know, charity items for events. And stuff. Well, I, I, you know, I do charity stuff, but not a lot. And I did see the thing is, is like, I still have these gun parts and I'm really kind of like loath to make sculpture and sell them because it's just like, I don't know. There's some, I, I have a problem with money in general and I have a problem with it also, mm-hmm. but I did, I did, I do like the idea that it went towards these, these families of FBI agents and stuff like that who lost their families or college funds or something like that. So I told them I, yeah. you can count me in next year. And I'll do it again, and it was a lot of fun. And oh, fair enough. we're fooling around with these cops, and they're funny. They're funny. There's such all of a sudden, I'm just like, man, some of these cops are are such dopes. I mean, I'm just like, you're getting arrested by some of these morons. It's just like embarrassing. <laughs> like seriously, it's just like some of them are just like fucking dumb, and you think that they're yeah. elite, and you're just like they're just looking at you with their jaw dropped. You know, when somebody's like a mouth breather, I'm just like, I can't yeah. believe this guy. My sometimes in my life, see this guy's hand. He's not elite. Uh, this guy's fucking a homunculus. I mean, he, I mean, ridiculous. So uh, there you go. Well. While you're playing Cagney and Lacey, I'm trying to get my little baby to sleep in the middle of the night. Oh, dude, I'm sorry. <laughs> How glamorous is your life, eh? I know. I'm Jeez. like fooling around with cops and shit, and uh, you're like wiping up poo and stuff like that. <laughs> do you get into your truck now? Do you like do a roly-poly over the, uh, over, over the hood? What's a roly? <laughs> oh, yeah, like Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> yeah, 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 I fucking roll over. <laughs> 
you know, break. You the said you were right. I'm off to work. All and off you go, rolling over. <laughs> break the antenna off on the first time. Antenna snaps, bent <laughs> yeah. over. What Fall happened to your car? Indeed, I was yeah. trying to get to the passenger seat, bitch. <laughs> yeah, that was so stupid. Uh, so quality free content. This free. Well, la- let me tell you, la- free. Last thing. Last thing I want to talk. I want to ask you is. So we're going up to Maker Camp. I made the decision. We should do a Knife Talk Live. I mean, I, how often do I have recording equipment in Morocco's there, and there's going to be other knife makers? Yeah, yeah. What do, do you I, think yeah. I should do? Because this also, if we if it works, you're getting a week off next week. And if I go long, yeah. if we go long, and same thing with Full Blast, if we go long, we might try to figure out a way to make them into two-parters. So oh. maybe, <laughs> maybe... I, I printed out all the ad reads, so I'm ready to go. I want to try to do a nice. I want to give you. I want to give you a a week off. What do you think well, we should do? You think we should do a regular well, show the f- or the following week? So in three weeks' time, um, I need the night off anyway because I'm in the studio. Um, so maybe we could. S- uh, uh, you know what? They're good. They're good at the time. They're not good. Well, well, don't worry about that. I'll take care mm. of you. I'll, we got you. We got your back when you're on that time. Yeah, we'll don't, worry about that. That. don't worry we'll about that. Don't worry about that. But what do you think we should do? You think we should do, like, an, I mean, an interview? Uh, the PA crew is going to be there. Jesse Killian and Butch is going to be there. And all and, and Steve and Steve Pellegrino is going to be there. I know Josh mm. Prince will be there. I'm going to have him on the full blast. But, you know, do you think we should just fuck around? Do you think we should do the show? What do you think? I think you should get a... A bottle of something. Oh, no. It's going to be first thing in Sunday um, morning. With a, f- with a few glasses and just invite people over. Free drinks for a chat. It's, Come and have a chat with Uncle Jeff and have a drink and just see where the chat goes. And see who arrives. You don't know who's going to come over you, for that free drink. Well, number um, one, it's um, going to be Sunday morning at like 7 because we have our schedule is not. Uh, and and Mare- I, I, I would suggest that Mareko will be in a shitty mood, which is fine. He's not good in the morning, <laughs> which might be even fine. He might be hungover, and he might be sour. So I, I, I'm kind of prepping for that, too. I'm trying to figure out what we should do. I'm, I have questions. I have all this stuff. But I'm thinking to myself, mm. there's not a lot of whole time to like set a whole show up. But I wanted to know yeah. what you thought. So I just have whoever come over and... Yeah, just have open session. Uh, you, know, you know, put up a little... But you know me. I'm sign. You know me. Yeah. Please talk to me, please. We don't you know me. I don't yeah. want to do any editing. I don't want there to be any editing and I want it to be smooth yeah. and contained. So you know that I'm but not going to But at the end be... of the day, it's it's something different. You're going to an event. Yeah. It's it's going to be a different type of show. So just just go with it. Lean into it and do, right. do whatever. All right. But I don't do want whatever. it to be bad. That's the thing. I'm always mm. I'm always of the mind that these live shows are not good. So I'm I'm going to be very conscious of that. All right. Well, we'll mm. figure something It'll out. It'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. For sure. But look, have a good travel. How, how long will it take you to get there tomorrow? Uh, hour and a half. Maybe two hours. Oh, right. Not bad. Oh, fucking nothing. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. Okay. I'll okay. send my regards to well, Jimmy DeResta. Yes, yes. And thank him for such a great podcast. Yeah. Which I am an avid listener. I really am. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> right. Thank you all for listening. We shall speak to you all again very, very soon. Um, and yeah, if you... S- well, it'll be too late on Monday because the, the event's over. But I was going to say, if you see Jeff, give him a hug. But anyway, thank you all for listening. Speak to you all soon. Bye for now. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers.